Uh, How's it, Oaks? And welcome to another Race Ride Seek powered by Curve Cycling. Curve Cycling. Rhino, are you whispering? Oh, sorry. It's it's nearly one o'clock in the morning here in London. Um, I'm whispering because I'm trying not to be stabbed by the housemates that I'm sharing this beautiful cottage with in idyllic Surrey. The sun is shining now in England and um, everyone's hoping well, to go for a bike morning. ride tomorrow. It's a cold morning here in Melbourne, but um, we've got a special Race Ride Seek podcast on uh, today. What's, uh, what have we got? We have got the Transamerica record holder and 2019 winner, Abdullah Zainab, um, our good mate from Melbourne, our our um, champion of the Transamerica bike race, just returned after completing the course in 16 days, 9 hours, 56 minutes, 6,800 grueling kilometres across the continental North American fast. Mm, some pretty amazing effort. How many what, How many days a day was it? Say again, mate. How many k's a day did he average? Oh, I think it was like 430 or 430 something, yeah. Incredible. Oh God. Anyway, um, let's uh, let's go chat to Abdullah and uh, let let's him hear. Tune in. Um, strap yourselves in. It's um, a bit of a a bit of a firework session when Abdullah talks. Um, you you you're going to be uh, at the end of your your seats. Please enjoy. Race ride seek. Race ride seek. Well, for those just tuning in on this Thursday morning, it is the Race Ride Seek podcast, powered by Curve, with a very special guest, the one and only Abdullah Zainab. Thanks for having me, mate. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, Howdy, Abdullah. Uh, Adam here. I've been trying to get hold of uh, you for quite some time. Um, Firstly, congratulations on just a astounding victory. I knew you said you were planning something very special, but um, I don't think we envisaged quite the performance that you uh, that you produced and continue to produce day after day. Uh, uh, thank, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, so why don't you tell the tell our listeners, Abdullah, uh, what you just embarked on and what you just won? Well, uh, I just got back from doing the. Uh, it's called the Trans America Bike Race. It's. Uh, I th- I'm not actually too sure the specific amount of kilometers is. I know it's like it says it's six thousand seven hundred and fifty or something. Maybe Rhino, you can tell us how long it is. But um, <laughs> it's 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 basically just from the west coast of America to the east coast. And it just goes across and it goes up and down some big mountains and on some crazy route. And I just got back from that and ended up um, finishing first, which was uh, which was great, man. It worked out really well. Yeah, not only did you finish first, you set a new record, I understand. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I ended up setting a new record by um, I think it was about uh, 10 hours and <laughs> about 10, 10 hours and a few minutes. So um, I, was just, I was just happy, man. It's such a... It's such a – it was the most crazy ride I've ever done, like, hands down the most crazy ride. 
Was it, it was, uh, everything you thought it would be when planning? Because obviously there's a lot of planning that goes in before you embark on, on the ride itself. I I under I definitely underestimated the ride. I thought like I thought I was gonna do more than what I did. But yeah. um I got that impression too. That terrain mm. I wasn't prepared for the terrain, man. Like yeah. what what parts of the terrain you're talking about? It's just a lot of climbing and Specifically, it's a lot of climbing towards the end. It doesn't seem like it when you look at the map, but the map is very deceptive. Yeah, I found the last half extremely difficult, just with the yeah, just the style of climbing. Just the climbs begin to just to get over them. You have to put in a lot of effort. Like the climbs at the start, you can kind of they're shallow enough to the point where you can mm. really relax. But once you get past that halfway, it's. I found that just to get over the climbs, you just. It's just a full effort. For those yeah, of so you explain that, that don't really know right. what Abdullah's talking about, towards the end of the race, you get through to the Appalachians and the Ozarks, and it's probably one of the most difficult things to encounter once you've done you know five and a half thousand k's to realize that you've got these 25 percent power climbs literally someone has just paved a road straight over some of the most ridiculous inclines you've ever seen and the profile <laughs> is like a shark's tooth yeah they're they're pretty rid- i was going up some climbs just thinking this is ridiculous man I remember you sending me a photo going, mate, what is this? And I went, uh, yep, I told you, bro. I told you. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, yeah. Uh, so mind you, just before this this all starts, you've had to cross the Rocky Mountains, right? Yeah, I, yeah, we crossed the Rocky Mountains. I mean, honestly, to be honest, like everyone kept talking these Rocky Mountains up to me like there was some sort of like megalithic Godzilla-like type climb. So. I was very prepared mentally for these climbs. Mm. Like, so when I got there to these Rocky Mountains, like, I found them extremely non-challenging because I just thought it's going to be like a dogfight. But I pretty much, I think I crossed the Rocky Mountains pretty much in a day, <clears throat> almost. Like You flew through them. Yeah, well, the thing is I had that kind of, like, ignorance. Is, I was beautifully ignorant in the sense that I didn't really know what to, what was coming up, so... I just kept riding and riding and riding and and then I pulled I, I ended up pulling into this town and when I woke up in the morning I thought, you know, like I'm halfway through these Rocky Mountains and then I realized, you know, I only had like thirty Ks to the top of the whole thing. And I was like, Wow. So that was kind of good because I didn't really not knowing the course was kind of nice. It was kind of like refreshing um compared to what I I had done before. But they're very they're very gradual and it's it's like going up the one in twenty for like just like hundreds of k's, you know, like just nice and gradual, and nicely paved, and beautiful scenery, and that's a complete contrast to the other end where it's just like steep, dogs chasing you, you know, like. <laughs> Did you get chased in- by dogs? Dude, I got chased. I I don't like. I'm sure everyone thinks this, but I've got chased. Like it was crazy how much I got chased. Yeah, like four or five times a day, right? Just non-stop chased all hours of the day. I told myself when I got into Kentucky, I thought, I told myself, look, dude, you're going to try and ride as much as you can during the day. And that didn't work out. I, I ended up just riding all sorts of hours anyway. But, yeah. you know, like I just, 
I just remember praying, thinking like, I like I just want these dogs to chase me when I'm going down a hill or on the flat. Like, God forbid, I have to chase, I have to escape one of these dogs on the incline. And luckily, oh, it never no. happened. I found there was always like there was there was an instigator, and he was always this tiny little yappy dog. Yeah. But then he had a sidekick, and the sidekick was like five times his size and mm-hmm. looked like he'd tear your legs off. Mm. Yeah, dude, I I was starting to freak out because I started looking, I started looking at these dogs, thinking like these aren't like little puppies, man. Like no. it, it seemed to be a pit bull, like packs of pit bulls chasing me. Yeah, and you know you get so tired. I got so tired by the end of it, just because every time one of these dogs chase chase was chasing me. You know, you get a big adrenaline rush and you kind of sprint off, and but you do yeah. that for like however many Ks that whole state is where they're just roaming around everywhere, you know, eventually you're kind of like, I'm going to fight one of these dogs, man. Like, I, I'm, did, you I, to, <laughs> did you find that like um, spraying water or did you use mace or bear no, spray? Or no, no, no. Spray or? My, my method was just getting the drops and sprint, but by the end of it, I couldn't do that anymore. So I thought, to myself, yeah. I thought to myself, like, I'm stopped, like, I'm going to have a, this is going to be a battle with one of these dogs. But by the time I was ready to fight one of these dogs, I was out of there. Like, oh, yeah. So I, I noticed just, um, as well, like, um, you were sporting in some of the photos that the dot watchers were um, producing and very kindly sharing with the world, um, which is a great way for us nowadays to use technology and actually um, really get involved with the race, really understand mm-hmm. what going on and everyone's got a tracker and um there are these great pages that everyone kind of uploads their their little sightings of abdullah and the rest of the riders but i did notice that you must have bought some additional clothing along the route because i saw you were in like this oversized fleecy number that i've mm-hmm. not wear before yeah that was a special edition man um, and I just wondered, you know, you know, if you could talk me through that one. Well, what happened was, man, you know, <laughs> you know, like everyone kept telling me, you know, it gets pretty cold in America. But I thought, you know, it's summer. So, you know, I kind of knew I was in for a shock, man, because I rocked up to Colorado before the race and it was snowing. <laughs> and I was like looking at my mate and I was like, dude, why am I out here? It's snowing. <laughs> so I thought, you know what, like, I'll buy an extra set of gloves. I'll buy yeah. one of those things to put over your mouth. And I thought that'd be all good. But I wasn't prepared for the sheer the sheer variance in, in, in temperature. Like, okay, hot I can handle, you know, but mm. to go from hot to like fr- absolutely freezing at night was just a complete shock and it really messed me up. But key point is where I got that thing from was – um. You know, I went. I got to West Yellowstone, and everyone kept telling me, "What you know, West Yellowstone was going to snow, it was going to be crazy weather, and whatever." So I made sure I got there fairly quickly. Oh, and okay. I was, lucky, I was lucky enough to get there, you know, and sleep at a hotel, and wake up in time for one of these tourist tourist shops to be open where they sell clothes. So I just rolled in there, and I just asked the girl if she had some track pants and track pants and a jumper, you know. Nice. So I bought- I bought the track pants, I bought the jumper, you know, I asked for rain pants, but they don't sell rain pants. And uh, I just wore those for a while. I didn't really, you know, the jumper really helped me because that night it rained. I just remember that night, man, it rained, it rained all night long. It rained all night long. 
And I was just so happy I had these pajama pants on, man, because they were providing me with some form of comfort. But I had to get rid of them after a few days because I had vicious diarrhea and all sorts of stuff went down. But oh, really? You know, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It was crazy, man. Well, tell us, uh, think- yeah, tell us what went wrong then, uh, Abdullah. I just so good on you know, that. You know, I had I just physically had the hardest time of my life during that race, man. Like, I was in a bit of pain before I went into the race, but I thought, you know. It was kind of a do or die moment. I thought this is either going to work out perfectly, or it's just going to be. It's it's either going to work out perfectly, in the sense that I'm going to make it, or, you know, like I'm going to tear a rotator cuff, or my my shoulders going to jack up, or my knees are going to blow out, or my neck I'm going to get Sherman's neck. But I was just like, you know what? Like I'd rather try and, and then not try. So you know, I kind of got away with the first. You know, day, I got away with the first day pain-free and I thought, oh, this is cool, you know. But I thought, you know, it's the first day, like whatever. You've been rest, you know, I had been resting for almost a month essentially. So, you know, there was a bit of a buffer there. The first day was incredibly impressive given you covered, I think, 601 mm. kilometers. Mm. With a yeah, the first day was, the first day was hot. The first day was hot. Mm-mm. Yeah, so you... You were close to averaging 30Ks an hour for nearly 5,000 metres of vert. Mm. I think you only stopped your total elapsed time, according to Strava, was something like 46 minutes over 600Ks. That's a, that's a monster ride to start off with. I was mm. like, what was chasing you, bro? <laughs> well, everyone was chasing me, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> No, no, there was, man. There was. Yeah. Like, tell us what happened. Everyone's racing until everyone's racing that first day, man. I don't yeah. it, Like, once you kind of get halfway, you try and act like it's not a race. But on that yeah. first day, yeah, it's almost like you see everyone's true intentions. Like, everyone wants to be at the front. I mean, most th- those people who have intentions to go fast, they're up there. So for me, it was just fun, man. It's just a fun, it's just a fun start. It's just a fun way to start just, and it's kind of. Yeah, there's a massive cool. buzz. There's a massive sense of adventure. You're all mm-hmm. sitting together, you know. And it's cool just to see people's demeanor and the way they carry themselves on that first day, especially when you're like going up a climb and, you know, you're like you're out of breath and your legs are burning and you, and then you can kind of see on people's face like the reality, like, wow, we've got <laughs> like almost 7,000 Ks more of this, you know, shit left and we're like, I'm, I'm like above threshold, you know, like that's – and you can kind of see, you know, you can kind of see that kind of like come up in people's heads. And, you know, I'm thinking the same thing too, like, man, this is like I'm, – I'm, but it's, it's just fun because it's kind of like it's almost – you can kind of sit in the face of the distance. You're like, man, I don't care about this distance. Like, I don't care that it's 7,000K. I'm still going to go hard, even though it's the first day, and I'm just going to have fun. Like, and and there is, and it's cool because you're like, in a way, in my head, I'm thinking there is no pace. Like, it's just whatever I want it to be, when I want it to be. And, mm. you know, it's kind of like, I don't care. But obviously, the first day you're racing. Yeah, you are going quick, man. I mean, you got all that energy, and you're going quick. I mean, you could go quicker. You could go quicker, definitely. But you're you're definitely 
if you're thinking of in terms of it, oh, it's a long distance ride, like you're not thinking about that when you're riding. You're not riding it as if you've got to go do multi days of this. Yeah. Just riding it as a so car. In reality, in reality you slow down anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm saying like you get slow as the days progress. Like, so it's not like I'm like, if I, you're just going to get slower eventually anyway. So you may as well just cane it while you got it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Hey, Abdullah, at the, before you left, uh, we got a good video together um, mm-hmm. and you were a bit cagey about your intentions, um, rightfully mm-hmm. so, um, but I reckon it was pretty evident that you're going for something pretty quick and pretty fast mm-hmm. and maybe even the record. Is that what you had in mind now that post-race you can divulge in what, your, what your intentions yeah. were? Yeah, I was always wanting to do it quick, like, and definitely, I definitely wanted to when I was planning it to do it quicker than anyone had ever done it. Um, mm. You know, by what margin, like by how how far ahead I wanted to be. You know, in terms of ahead of the record or in, or in terms of ahead of other competitors. You know, I wasn't really quite sure. I just wanted to beat it. You know, by cons- by a considerable amount. So I just really set my plan to to, uh, to do that. I couldn't stick to the plan because it was just too ambitious, especially with the type of terrain. So I had to cut. I had to cut back on my plan. But at least I had kind of like the framework of what to follow. I don't think it would have worked out if I had like a kind of like a moderate plan and then tried to extend it. You know, just because when you're tired, it's like it's too much mental logistics to pull off. But because I had like the ambitious plan laid out, I could kind of just go, oh, okay. Instead of going to that city, you know, I'll just cut back one city. Yeah. And that's what really happened. Yeah, cool. So were you trying to beat the recumbent, were you? I wasn't trying to beat the recumbent. But at one stage, you know, I'm telling you, dude, this was the most crazy race. At one stage, I was almost like I started thinking about beating this recumbent way too much, man. (laughs) And it started playing playing on my mind. And I was having a, a rough you know, because I, ha- I was having this crazy diarrhea, dude, and it was just I was losing so much time to just pulling over on the side of the road and taking a shit. Wow. So, you know, one, once once I was trying to deal with that, so then I, I kind of put the recumbent whole thing at the back of my mind because I thought, dude, like you're just getting way too stressed out here about breaking this record. Tell and- me wrong, mate. It was like three hours difference. Mm. Yeah, for a while. For which a is, while. Which is incredible. Mm. I mean – those velomobiles were in the race when I, when I did it in mm. 2018, and those things on the flat. The guys covered Kansas in a day. Yeah, that's crazy. 60 k's an hour, no problems. Yeah, that's insane. It's, it's eh? Incredibly efficient. So, for you to be only a few hours over 7,000 k's is. Mm. It's it just really puts it into perspective the the performance and the um, yeah the incredible result. I mean, mm. it you stand among riders now like Peter Anderson, Evan Deutsch, Mike Hall, Lael Wilcox, Jesse Carlson. Um, these are these are recognised ultra endurance elite members mm. of a, a, a small group that can average 400 plus Ks a day for two and a half weeks. It's, yeah. it's significant. So how does that now settle into your, into your framework and into your, 
into your mind do you do you consider yourself there with amongst the best or is it it was it just a a conscious decision just to beat a time or i mean i don't really compare my, to, to be honest with you i don't really compare myself mm. or i don't it's not something i really think about mm. like um i don't i don't really think about it in in terms of the record and thinking like oh these guys who are setting the records and going really quick i never would not to sound arrogant like I would never look at their their performances and think, oh, that's way beyond anything I could achieve. Mm. Especially in this in this kind of riding, you know, like it's not like to 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 match the best, you have to have like a four hundred and sixty watt FTP. It's mm. like to some to some degree, a large part of it is just like keep going. Mm. You know, can you keep going? Obviously, there's other factors, but that's one of the the main factors is just like how how resilient and how tough you can be when you need to be yeah so i kind of in my head i thought you know like i kind of have those qualities like why can't you know why can't that be me like why can't i set a time like that so yeah totally i just just didn't really put any limits on myself when it came to you know setting the plan that's really how simple it was i just didn't put any limits on myself like when if i was planning it and it it said i was going to do 550 k's that day i didn't I just thought, well, that's, you know, that's either possible or it's not possible. I'm going to find out by trying. The, the, the one thing that strikes me, and especially among the names I read out, is it seems this style of racing, as you rightly say, it has nothing to do with FTP and is more mm. a mental kind of um, sort of fight after the first couple of days of settle, settling in. And we've seen that it's also a great leveler of the sexes. There's no male and female category really Mm -hmm. because we've seen riders like um, uh, Lael Wilcox and Sarah Hammond, for example, beat the best of the best in both categories anyway. And what I glean from what you're suggesting is that ultra-endurance racing really has nothing to do with um, physical kind of attributes and it's more just a mental sport i think you know for sure definitely like you know one could argue that like pretty much the whole thing's mental but Mm. i mean definitely in terms of the race i mean definitely once you get a few days in you know it becomes just one speed and there's not much more you have and it's and it's and it literally is it's literally just about about finding a way to keep going, and you do get you do get stripped bare, like yeah. back, like it's. I'm sure for everyone, it's equally as hard, and it's just about finding a reason to just keep moving, man. It's got to be important. It's gotta, it's got to be important to you, man. It's got to be important to you. That's a good um, segue into my next question, and it's something that Sarah Hammond and Jesse always ask me. And it's, what is your why? And is your why big enough than all of the hurt that is coming on the, mm. on the race? And I guess that's what a lot of people want to know is what's Abdullah's why and how does he continue to, to motivate himself over the course of 16 days? Well, you know, I got, I got several whys, man. Mm. And, and it's cool because, like, you know, you can kind of use a, 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 a different why in a different situation if it mm. calls for it. 
okay. you know, like, you know, before the race, it's almost like, you know, it sounds simple, but it's like, why not, you know, like, why not give it a try? And it's kind of that aspect of, you know, like exploring your own potential, you know, like I got to know. Like I need to know if this is a possible. I need to know if it's a thing. I want to see how far I can take it physically and mentally. So there's that aspect. Then once the race starts, you know, things change once the race starts. It, it, and especially especially when you're going, you know, at, when you're at the pointy end because there there is a lot of support at the pointy end. There's a lot of support all round, right? Mm. But you do feel this like heightened level of support at the pointy end of this race. Yeah. And it kind of is nice because it takes kind of like it becomes less about you and about everybody, you know, and you kind of begin to ride not just for yourself, not in the sense that you want to impress other people, but you just you kind of see how much a ride like this can mean to others. Mm. So that takes on another shape where you think, man, I'm not just one for myself here. I'm running for everybody. Like you start thinking, you know, you start thinking I'm riding for – you know, anybody who – you start thinking big concepts, man. You start thinking I'm writing for anybody who's never believed in, in themselves. I'm writing for anybody who's – anybody who's been too scared to try something. All sorts of stuff, man. You start thinking like that. Mm. And then, you know, I saw just – it's just – it's just I'm just fascinated by what it means to be a human being, man. Mm. And it's just to be out there – you know, kind of like and have that level of seclusion and be away from things and you can't, it's kind of like peeling the onion back more than you would usually be able to do in regular life just because there's so much going on. Like you never have that much time by yourself. You never get to – you never kind of get to inspect yourself on that level and there's nowhere to hide. There's just nowhere to hide and that's intimidating, especially for me. I find that intimidating mm. but I also love that, man. Because it can get so scary, it can get so overwhelming, you can you can kind of can become so scared all of a sudden. And to be able to, you know, to be able to overcome that level of fear is just so, you know, you come back refreshed into daily life with like a whole different perception, a whole different perspective on everything, kind of like you've just kind of like liberated yourself, you know, from the chains that you just put on yourself all the time by like these kind of like, you know, just by this, the way you you think about things or, anything along those lines. So there's there's multiple aspects why I do it. But those main three things, man, you know, for myself to, to find out what my own potential is, you know, you know, for the way it makes other people feel and what it does for other people and just I'm not – I don't want to let you down, dude. Mm. Like I don't do it specific – you know, like I don't want to let you down. I don't want you to be mates with me and then you see me not perform or not do what I said I was going to do and then some in some weird – subconscious way you think it's okay to do that like i don't want to do that yeah like i don't like i don't like letting myself down and i don't want other people to think it's okay to let themselves down it's not about winning it's just about applying your best effort mm. and that's you want to be a role model for that dude yeah. and that in my way i'm like I, I just don't want to see that man i don't want to see another person not believe in themselves or not try or not think they're you know i think i'm number one mm. but i think you're number one like i don't know anyone i don't know anyone else but me Mm. But, like, that's the same for you, you know, like, you're number one. Like, I don't know any other Ryan Flynn out there who's, like, in your position, in you know, in your body, lived your whole life, dude. Like, it's just insane to me. So, and that kind of delves back into the why not. It's like, 
you're out there and you're thinking, you're like, I'm on a floating rock in the middle of space. Like, why wouldn't I try? Like, mm. that's just crazy. <laughs> that's very cool. That's, mm. that's some really nice words there, Abdullah. Um, yeah, that whole yeah. idea of just looking at yourself, um, which you've got no choice at that at those at certain points of the, in the race um and then just yeah understanding what you're made of um yeah that's really cool and to see what you've actually translated that into um on a physical level as well is just uh yeah is is brilliant so yeah thanks well, well done um appreciate it. yeah it's it was Kim, I mean, congratulations adam um I, I don't know if you saw and for the listeners i'm in london adam's in Melbourne and Abdullah's in. Are you in? Are you in Adelaide? I'm in Melbourne. Yeah, right now. I'm in Melbourne. But we're not. Okay, so Abdullah and I keep interrupting because we're not actually around a table in a studio. We're um, here here at Google. We're 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 still sort of crowdfunding most of our business operations. So, hey, so this, is, this is going to be the most professional sounding professional. one, though. Um, <laughs> but um, I I also picked up a. Uh, um, a a video from the South Australian uh, sort of parliament that mentioned you um, about a, a day after you finished, congratulating you and being incredibly proud of um, the the role model that you've become over the last few years. They mentioned your successes with the Indie Pack and then um, with with the Trans America, and mm. you know that's. That is a wonderful thing for you How now. Cool to is that? Yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, like you, have um, you seen the video, Abdullah? Yeah, I, yeah, I saw the video. Like, I find it hard to watch things talking about myself. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, t- like, totally. it's a bizarre thing to watch, but I, you know, I appreciate it. I'm, you know, grateful that that video is there, and it's just cool to get. It's cool to get the support, man, and the recognition. Like, it's cool because I mean, you know, these things are they're hard to to get to. They're, they're not a, you're not a professional sportsman you're mm. you're you're essentially self-funded you have to mm. pay for these sorts of things on your own there's no major sponsors that are making sure that you're you're um you're there um in the best shape of your life there's no trainers or nutritionists you sort this out on your own um mm. you know and you've now become a role model for a lot of people, not only in the cycling community but in the broader community. And that, you know, it's amazing what the bicycle can do. Really, it really. Is. And yeah, it's fascinating. Absolutely. For me, that's that. You know, that's kind of why I got in involved in in the cycling industry, and I think also very much why Adam also got involved, um, and why we all kind of form part of Curve was. Mm-hmm. Very much for those those same reasons. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, the, so, the more people riding yeah, bikes, the better the world's going to be. So, yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing, you know. And hey, it's great that you're Australian and you're from South Australia. But to me, you're just a, a bloody good, bloody good fellow that loves riding his bike. And mm-hmm. I think the the more people we have doing that the more infectious that becomes the the more people that you know kind of have conversations about you know pursuing their own personal challenges and whatever adventure means to them and i think you know you should you should be very proud of that 
but how, how how do you go about decompressing all of these thoughts and um these emotions once you finish because i find that a lot of cyclists when they go and take on a challenge as big as this um coming back into kind of civilian life and getting back into the real world as it as it were how do you find mm. the transition after being alone for such a long period of time you know i, I find it you know i find i find it as hard as equally as hard if not harder than the race man just yeah. the um it's like the training the training and this after period i would say is harder than the event itself you know mm. so i guess i just got to in my mind i just treat it like you know you just kind of got to accept it and just, and just let it happen because it is quite challenging especially especially now like in this moment where you're like you know you're kind of like two and a half three weeks out you've three weeks finished you know and i went i went deep in that race man like i really when i finished that thing you know like mm-hmm. i was shitting my pants pretty much riding with one hand to the finish that last five kilometers like i was a mess so <laughs> you know i emptied the tank man and i was yeah. proud of that i was yeah. proud of this poor guy riding with me, looking at me like he was looking at me like you know looking at me like, wow, dude, you've made it. And I'm looking at him like, dude, I need to find a toilet. Like, I'm about to pop. And we're like staring down at this monument and I'm like, I couldn't care less about this monument. Like, man. I love how brutally honest you are. So it was just like, you know, what I mean by that is like to empty it that much and then it just takes a toll on you. And it's kind of like, I feel like, you know, when you're in, the, you kind of underestimate how much it takes a toll on you. Mm. And to being two and a half weeks past it, you're still. I still find that I'm very tired. I'm still extremely hungry, relative, especially relative to your to your you know activity level because you don't have any energy. You're not doing much activity. You know, like I maybe been to the gym five six times for like half an hour, and maybe I've ridden, you know, two hours since the race. So your appetite your appetite's way up. Your activity levels rock bottom, and then emotionally, you know, you've come from just like a crazy, you know, like rain, hail, sunshine, gastro, bears, like, like, you know, eventually like you, you slip into the highest of highs, lowest of lows by the end because you just, you have no emotional control anymore. Yeah. Running away from dog, like just mat, like you couldn't make it up in a movie, dude. Like and then you're, you're like going from your body releasing endorphins for mm. 18 to 20 odd hours a day to you releasing zero of that and you've been yeah. conditioned to receiving that flow for 16 17 20 days yeah and you're sitting on the couch thinking well, yeah well, what do i do now dude like i'm looking at it like i just ate it's, it's 7 a.m i can't have i can't have lunch yet <laughs> yeah you know, like, when's dinner i'm like waking up like what's for dinner like that's my next most exciting thing you know you know, like you're running away from pit bulls that can chew your leg off, bears that can rip your head off, you know, <laughs> you know, like, oh, you know, climbing crazy, you know, like escaping tornadoes. And now you're like, what's for dinner? Yeah. You know, that's that, you know, what am I going to have for dinner in two days? That's the next most. Ex- so it's hard. It's a hard transition. But, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I've done it before once. Mm. And I really noticed when I went through it the first time. It's hard because you don't really have any, you know, we can talk about it now, but it's probably even worse for some people because they probably go through it and they have no one to talk to about it. It's not like you can talk to – there's there's no sport out there. Like, 
it's not like you know it's not like a two day ultra run it's not like a an no. iron man no. it's like it's like who do you talk to where it's like oh you did that for three weeks like on the limit every day like how are you going to feel it's not like there's a literature on it no so no i think i think you know, I, I, found, I found it i found it very critical that that first time i did it that i just needed to rest as much as my body wanted to mm. and when i came out of that kind of period of rest I was just fresh and I was very con- uh, conscious of when I was going through that period of recovery that if I kind of shortchanged myself and kind of tried to speed it up more than I should, that I would be in a slump of just like being able to only perform at like 50% effort for a long period of time. Mm. So I kind of guess I thought to myself, well, look, like you've asked your body of this massive effort and it's complied with you. It complied with me. When I asked it to just go like, like my life depended on it. It gave me what I wanted and now I kind of have to return the favor. And if I don't return the favor next time, it's going to be less compliant with me. It's going to, when I want to go like, you know, I'm running away from a tiger. It's going to be like, nah, we're running away from a cat. We'll go like 70%. (laughs) When I want to go a hundred. So it's just honoring the relationship to a certain degree. Mentally, it's just, it's just a hard transition, but you've got to accept Mm -hmm. it and deal with it. I think for the people that don't ride. What'd you say? Sorry, Adam. Uh, Abdullah, have you got any niggles or issues or? Yeah, I got some like, I, you know, I pretty much have the same issues I had before I started. So, you know, like my right scapula is jacked up, my neck's jacked up. Yeah. My knee's a little jacked up. But really, it's just the neck and the shoulder. Yeah. How so are your hands and your? My hands were fine. You know, my hands were fine, man. Like, yeah. I didn't get any numbness. The thing is, by the end of it, my hands were just, you just have like this deep, soreness yeah like you know like you just feel like the soreness you get when you just got like a cold and you have be sitting on the couch or your bones hurt like the soreness in my hands is just like it's just an annoying level of soreness do you find that you you feel relatively um good in comparison to the indie pack yeah i mean i was fascinated uh you mean during the race or after after yeah, I felt I feel better, man, than yeah. I did during IndyPac. I was physically debilitated, man, for like literally like maybe yeah. two weeks. I was because you know like you could, you could put me in a diaper and a pram, and it would have been suitable. Do you remember like, when we had lunch in Sydney? Yeah, I was toast. I remember you, that. You were like a husk, <laughs> dude. I gained it. You know, <laughs> I, I just remember finishing that IndyPac and walking back from that opera house to the hotel thinking man like this is the hardest walk i've ever had to do in my whole life like and so i was walking back from chinatown that night with my girlfriend and i just it was something out of like you could have it was like a titanic scene dude she was like holding me and i'm like in chinatown and people are looking at me like what is this and i was like crawling crouching i was in some sort of position <laughs> trying to make my way back to the hotel thinking like what have i just done to myself dude like i remember that what has just taken place? Like, and then to have that for like two weeks where mm. you're just like, you, you can't even walk upstairs correctly. is just, it's kind of the price you have to pay, man, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure about other people, but for me, like, it just seems like, I guess this time it's been a bit better. I've been able to handle yeah. it better. My body is in less pain. Have you, have you changed some, a few things for your body to be so much better in so much better condition after the race? Yeah, I just train, dude. I just train. train. The thing is, you know, 
people thought I was trolling them when I told them I like literally trained like 10, 10 or 12 weeks for that indie pack, but that's what I did. I, tra- I mean, I trained like two or three months. Yeah. Um, you know, I had some riding experience before, but specifically I was overseas and I came back and I did that right, that race. But when I was training for that race, you know, because I didn't have any, I didn't have a phys- I didn't have any base in cycling really consistent yeah. like base training. Like I would do I mean, like relatively young to cycling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I would do 200 Ks on a Monday and then I'd do 200 Ks on a Wednesday and then I'd do like 200 Ks on a Saturday, which sounds like a lot, but for a multi-day event, to like ride Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, it doesn't really make sense, man. You have to get used to riding every day. So when mm-hmm. I did it, like, I suffered a lot of issues just from the simple fact that I had never really done any back-to-back rides. So like a lot of inflammation, a lot of like just overuse things that I you had to deal with. But um, so if, when I got when I started getting ready for Trans Am, I thought to myself, man, like it's I'm not going to just focus on trying to do major amounts of hours. Mm. I'm just going to try and focus on just being more consistent. So, you know, I probably did triple the training, but it was it was way more consistent. Like I'd get out five times per week. Sometimes I'd even get out six times per week. And I found that was like so effective, man. Like the issues I was facing on IndyPack, like day two physically, like in terms of like, you know, your Achilles sounding like it needs WD-40, your shoulder, like all those kind of things. That kind of, and being super inflamed. Like I got that maybe like ten days in to to this Trans Am versus like day oh, wow. two. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's pretty impressive. And so, when did you start training? Start Abdullah. I probably started eleven months before. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I start. I kind of because while I was recovering from that Indy Pack, I mean, Indy Pack finished what March something, April major. So, like coming on that third month of finishing, really, that Trans Am was was it was happening. And, you know, it was kind of, I was thinking, oh, like, it's not really my type of race. It's kind of very hilly. It's very long. You know, like, I'm, I'm a bit heavy to be going up all these mountains, you know, relative to some of these other guys. It's probably an easier race, a race that suits me better. But I thought, you know, why not? I'll give myself a year, I'll give myself 11 months to train for it. So I basically made the decision 11, 11, months, 11 months before and I started then. But I was very gradual. Like, you know, my first few months I was – I, I, my first ride was my first training ride was like twenty minutes, and then, you know, I had weeks where I was doing eight hours a week, seven hours a week for like a month, and then I went up to ten hours a week for a month, and then sometimes I was doing four. I probably did fourteen, fifteen hours a week for like three months, and then, I mean, I think that was really where the you know, I made a lot of performance gains, man. Those real kind of moderate hours, just consistent, yeah. and then towards towards the end, I kind of. I was a bit more extreme with it, but because I had allowed myself so much time to prepare, I was always, you know, I, I had the ability to rest when I needed. Like, I, there wasn't really many months where I'd go over three weeks of really hard effort, like training, without taking, you know, a week really just to chill out, which really helped. That's, well, it's very impressive. I guess you had the eyes on the, on the prize quite early on and just let yourself incrementally go up, which sounds, sounds like a very smart thing to do, Abdullah. Well done. No, thanks, man. I mean, it was the training. Yeah, like the, I think the tra- the training so f- is so challenging and it's so fun. And I guess it's such a grey area, sporting wise, mm. that there's a lot of room, you know, just kind of to explore what's you know the effective way to train for it. Like 
I've never really heard anyone give me the same response if I ask them, you know, like, how are you going to train for this long distance event? Some people tell me they train like 10, you know, 50, 12 hours a week intervals. You know, I talk to another person, they're like, I'm doing 50 hours a week, you know, like, so, and, and sometimes both scenarios produce good performances. So it's, yeah. it's kind of exciting from a personal standpoint to think, you know, like, how am I going to set this training plan up? Like to see, just to test things out and see like, oh, that, did that work? Did that not work? Was that effective? Was that, can I cut that out next time I try? Should I cut, leave this in? Like, mm. so I love that. Well, it obviously, obviously worked, mate. <laughs> obviously worked very yeah. well. Um, yeah. I guess just harping back to the question, although we're talking about that it's not, um, that it, a lot of it is mental. I mean, mm. the training that you put in did show that there's quite a bit of a physical aspect to it mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, uh, you know, you, you do need to train for these oh, yeah. things. But a, a person that doesn't ride just can't rock up and say, yeah, it's all right. mental, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can't – you need a – the thing is, you can be physically – I mean, and this – and you can look at the races, and, and the race is a great example of this. A lot of people there are in great shape, man, phenomenal shape. You'll find all sorts of people at the start line of these races who were in better shape than you are, you know, in terms of – all sorts of disciplines of cycling, hill climbing, time trialing, whatever. But that's you can be the fittest dude in the world, but mentally, if you can't, if you can't get it out of yourself, then it doesn't really count for much, you know. So I guess that the training really, needs to be mental as well as physical. Of course, you've got to replicate. The thing is, you can't replicate the race exactly because it's too demanding, and it's like you know, like you will just destroy yourself, you know, like so. You kind of want to save – in my head, I'm thinking – I'm just going to give you what I think. In my head, I'm thinking like, no, you want to save that kind of, you know, that physical performance for the race itself. But in training, you know, you, you can kind of replicate – you can kind of replicate the scenario to a degree. And I guess for me with training, what I've kind of learned from training for this event, you know, that short period of time for the Indie Pack and this longer period of time is like – there really is only a key – I found that there was only a key few moments in training that I had to kind of go through that carried me through the whole race. But you've kind of got to go through this long training curve, you know, to kind of like elicit a high amount of fatigue to the point where like you, you have these breakthroughs. It sounds crazy, but like what I'm saying is like if you train for 10 weeks, you don't really get tired to the point where you get over it. You can kind of stay really motivated for 10 weeks. If you train for 11 months, like – you'll definitely go through periods where you don't want to train anymore, where you're just like, man, you're like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, that kind of is, that's really replicates a race scenario very well because, like, when, when you're doing the race, man, there's inevitably comes a point where you're just like, I guess it's to different degrees for other people. But for me, I definitely run into a moment where I'm like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. This is, get, this is like too much, you know, and I guess, like, those you know weeks or months of training where you're just tired but you're still going out there every day you're meant to train you're still going out there that kind of like kind of like brain you know it conditions you to just get used to performing when you don't really want to perform and that's like a massive a massive tool because you're just like well i don't want to do it but you're like well dude i've done so much stuff before that i didn't want to do but i did it anyway and it still worked out so how is this any different I guess you're being incredibly receptive and almost perceptive of what it is that you're undertaking. And I think you're conditioning yourself mm -hmm. 
it's almost as if you're training your mind as well as you're training your body uh, 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 in terms of what's coming. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a huge, and that's, I think for a lot of people, man, that's like the biggest, I'm assuming, I'm not too sure, but like that might be a big issue they face is like they get out there and they're like mad inspired, huge build up. They've been meditating on this race for so long. They think it's like the only thing in life they want to achieve. And then for some reason, within like three days, you know, they're receiving signals, like they're hearing inside their head, like, I don't want to do it anymore. And that's and that's a confronting thing for them. But in reality, like, that's, I think that's always going to happen, man. I mean, from a, like from a physical standpoint, like your body probably thinks it's going to die eventually. Like this mm. is just too much activity. So, of course, it's going to try and shut you down. So, to not have practice at like kind of like o overriding those signals you know, it can, it can just be demoralizing for someone to be out there and think like, why am I feeling like this? Like, why don't I want to do it? You know, that I can imagine that being so demoralizing if you didn't think that was a natural response to what you were doing. Mm. So I think in training, just to be able to replicate that is massive, you know, and there's heaps of other things you can replicate in training, but that's really the biggest thing, you know, one of the biggest tools I think you can have. Yeah, cool. Hey, Abdullah, what... um. What did you, beyond the uh, lovely jumper and pyjama pants that you bought along the way, mm -hmm. um, what did you take with you? Like what did, what did you look like at the start line? Uh, uh, well, at like the start line I had, um, you know, like I had my uh, I had my kit on. I had the kit on, which was just like, you know, regular kit, a base layer, the, the top. Um, for my clothes, like I had, I had uh, knee covers, arm covers, you know, like a, 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 a one of those like, you know, pullover merino type things. Um, a beanie. Did you take I a rain? A, I had a rain jacket and I had wind a wind jacket. You know, the one that you, yeah. you got. Yeah, I had that wind jacket. It did, didn't do much in freezing temperatures, but um, <laughs> um, you know, I remember riding out there thinking, "Man, Rhino told me this thing was warm, dude." Like <laughs> things like it's not going anything, but um. Are you talking you know, about the windy, the windy wendy? Yeah, the windy, the you know, the tiny, tiny, crazily thin wind thing. Yeah, whatever that, whatever that is, mate. That's the best, best thing out there. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I used that. I mean, I, I, I had all those layers on multiple times when it was just like sunny because it was just like freezing. Oh, like, your body gets a bit screwed up, I guess. So Dude, long. I was coming down that low, low pass like as the sun right uh, before the sun came up and I was oh, like, oh. I was, I'd never been so cold in my life, man. I was, I was like trying to keep my eyes open, shivering, like just thinking I was just shaking, man, for yeah. so long. And I was just, just looking at the sun, like, like I was trying all sorts of stuff, man. Like I was telling myself I'm warm. I was like envisioning I was in a sauna, like, yeah. you know, and then sh shaking one minute and then all sorts of crazy stuff. But, that's kind of the clothes I started with. They got, they kind of got me, that kind of got me through. But I had to buy that West Yellowstone jumper. I ditched that at the end because I was coming through Kentucky. It was just getting too hot. Just I had it wrapped around my my stomach, but it was just getting too hot wrapped around my stomach. So I had to ditch that. But that was the clothes I had. I mean, in terms of tools, I just had, you know, I had like five spare tubes. I had a spare tire. I had a multi tool. I had like a little bag of a variety of like cleat screws and a chain link and 
Yeah. You know, kind of stuff I wouldn't even use if it broke because it's like, I don't know how to change a chain. Yeah. But I got, yeah. It, I got it anyway. God forbid something happened. Yeah. Um, and that's about mm-hmm. it. You know, it, people get mistaken, man. People get mistaken. They look at the bike and they think there's nothing there. Just be- But in reality, like there's a lot of stuff there, man. It's just stuffed Ooh. in. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's stuffed. Like you could literally carry that amount of gear with a big saddlebag and it would probably make your life a lot easier than it is to just stuff it in one bag. Mm-hmm. I like the look of it, to be honest. Like, so I just keep it in one bag. Yeah. <laughs> did, and did you have to use anything? Yeah. <laughs> Did you have to use anything along the way? Any uh, any mechanicals or any issues? No, I kept getting, dude. I had like I kept. There was one day I kept getting flat tires, like five, six flat tires. But um, like, but apart from the flat tire, you know, I was so lucky with the bike, dude. I had some crazy moments. You know, I crashed twice, like, and the bike was perfect, like. And I thought that's when I thought to myself, "This is my destiny to win this bike race, man." Like this bike is. I remember once I was like coming into this town on this detour, you know, I was being irresponsible. Like I had ordered Panera, I had ordered Panera bread online. So, and I didn't really, I didn't, yeah, it was crazy, man. I was coming into this town and I had ordered Panera, like, because I was trying to be slick, you know what I mean? Like order, order stuff online, you know, get it sent to a hotel, like just trying to save time. But it didn't really save time because like I'm trying to order McDonald's on the phone app and like, it's not accepting my credit card. It's taken longer than it would if I rolled in there. So, I'm all, I, I called up Panera Bread, right? This was crazy. Like I called up Panera Bread and I'm calling them saying, yeah, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. My girlfriend's told me to book this hotel and she's like, it's on route. It's one mile off route. And I thought, you know, like one mile, what's one mile? Ends up being five kilometers off route and it shuts at 9.30. And I'm coming into this town and I'm probably doing like 30, 30 plus K an hour and I'm really putting in a big effort. And mind you, my hip has been in pain all day. My knee's been in pain all day. But I had just like had this focus on getting this Panera bread before it shut because I already paid for it. So I was just smashing it. And I was looking at my phone on like Google Maps and I hit this pothole full speed and went flying over the bars, hanged it down the street. I just remember like getting up off the floor, grabbing my phone. This dude's on the side of the road looking at me. And I looked at him and he just gave me this look like, like, who is this guy? What is this guy doing, dude? And it wasn't even a question, dude. I hopped straight back on the bike and went straight to Panera Bread, got the Panera Bread, the bike was fine. And then I went to bed that night and I thought, wow, like the bike could have really snapped there. You know? And then the following day, I had a feeling like something bad was going to happen, dude. The following day I was coming into Illinois, I was coming out of Illinois or whatever, the sun was coming up, and this girl came right behind me and clipped me and clipped my handlebars as she passed me and then I had another fall. Oh, Jesus. um, Yeah, dude, it was crazy. I just picked my bike up, and the only thing that was wrong with it was my uh, my front disc was bent. So I just like my ribs were all jacked up, my shoulder was jacked up, but I was like, "That's okay, as long as my wheels aren't snapped in half." So but my front, my front disc, vehicle, like a, a car. Yeah, like a like a car, dude. I took a photo of her name, like I think her name's Susan. You know, she gave me her insurance, and I was just like, like man, that's lucky. Like I thought my bike was going to snap, and she was like, "Yeah, the sun was in my eyes," and. I work at Artie's or whatever, and I was like, "Woman, I don't care." Like, like, and I was—I didn't want to explain to her what was happening. Like, I didn't want to explain to her, like, "Look, I'm in this bike race, and this is like the most important thing in my life right now." And like, I just bent the front disc back and kept going. But um, he gave me the boost I needed, dude, because at that time I was hell focused on the record. 
And then after that, I was like focused on surviving. So, yeah. you know, Could yeah, her name was a bit, I guess. Well, yeah, okay. it's it lifting to a degree in a weird way. Very yeah. glad that uh, you ended up on the on the better end of the scale of that uh, those two incidences. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it well, almost kept you going, though. It did, you know, it did, man. Because I thought, wow, like, I thought, wow, like, it's my, this is like some cosmic hand at play. My bike's still in one piece. Like, that's amazing. And at the same time, I thought, you know, like, how fragile, you know, like anything can happen at any moment. You may as well have the ride of your life. Why not? So it was kind of uplifting in that regard. But, um, yeah, it was good, man. I, I mean, they were highlights, like, in a way. <laughs> Weird highlights. Right. So let's talk about some, yeah, what are the, what are the, what were the highlights though? What was the parts that you remember that just stuck out? Like Highlights yeah. for me were that first day. A big highlight for me was that first day because I guess it was an exciting process for me, dude, because I had more pressure on me. You know, like I've done several sports before, like, but I never had pressure like coming into this one like I've had before. Like, and it's not a lot of pressure, man. Mind you, it's like a fringe sport and there's not many people that do it. But I mean, within that, like, I had people coming up to me at the start saying, like, you're going to win. And I'm like, dude, we haven't even, like, we haven't even started. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I could, like, tear a hamstring in, in two miles. Like, I didn't want that kind of pressure. But I thought, you know, cool, whatever. So I felt like, you know, that first day, just to be able to get through that first day and um, be able to handle that and, you know, have a good first day and put it behind me and just focus on what I need to do, that was a real big highlight for me. And I felt good too, which was like surprising. I thought, wow, like I feel pretty good and I have any good performance. So that was definitely a highlight. And then, um, you know, like coming through West Yellowstone, I guess the hardest bits for me were the highlights, man, because they were just so hard. Like <laughs> I, I remember I was on the phone to my mum, dude, and I'm coming up like, to, Rhino, you you probably know this, you know this scene. Yeah. Um. Like, I'm coming up into Ennis and, you know, like, I'm on the phone to my mum. Some dude's come past me, dropped all his, like, little, you know, petrol gas, that black fog stuff on me. And I'm thinking, it's okay, mum. Like, I've only got 100Ks left to get to West Yellowstone. I'm all good. And then I turned this corner into West Yellowstone and I had this crazy headwind, man. Like, it was like I was doing, like, 11K an hour, like, for that whole 100K. And I just remember thinking, like, in the drops – it felt like I was doing a Caleb Ewan sprint for a hundred K doing like 10, 11 K an hour. And that was definitely a highlight because it was just so challenging. Yeah. And then apart from that, man, like the whole thing was a highlight. I mean, I ran into a couple bears. That was also a highlight. Um, wow. Yeah. That was, yeah. Did you have a bear whistle or? No, no, I was just, another time I was on the phone to my mum coming out of West, up that Taugi pass or whatever. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, just some dude pulled up next to me. He's like, dude, there's a bear right next to you. And I was like, mom, i got to go. And I was like <laughs> looking at this bear, kind of got around that first bear. And then the next bear was just like this grizzly bear with its like two babies crossing the road. Oh, and I just had to stand there for like half an hour waiting for this big grizzly to go. And I was like waving down cars because I wanted a car to like kind of come pick me up and take me around the grizzly. But no one came. I just had to stay there, dude. I was kind of like on the. I was on. I was. I stood sideways, like glimpsing at this bear because I remember someone said, "Like never look a grizzly bear in the eye." So I'm kind of like squinting out the corner of my eye, trying to look at this bear, thinking like, "Please don't come my way," because I don't want to have to climb back up this climb. <laughs> and then you know, you know, just, just, just 
honestly, the highlight is just getting through it all, man, because, you know, you have so many, you know, issues and, you know, you have stomach issues, you know, you have bite, you know, all sorts of crap goes on. And just to be able to get through it all and share it with all the, the dot watchers and then to come in and have my mum there, and, you know, like the finish isn't that sweet, man, but when you have your mum there and everyone's there, it becomes sweet. And it's like you get to share that with everyone and and share it with all the people. Very big supporter, obviously, like all mums are with their mm-hmm. with kids. But I've, your mum's been at both finish lines now to to watch, watch you cross. Oh man, she'd be at any finish line if I, you know, she'd be at every single finish line. She loves it, man. And, Does she? Uh, yeah, my she mum loved- wasn't a great supporter. She wasn't. Nah, she she just doesn't want to know. <laughs> she just avoided it altogether. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy, man. I mean, I don't know if I, you know, like, I think my mum's just kind of gone like, well, he's going to do it anyway. Like, I may as, you know, yeah, I may as well look like, but she does go, but now with the tracking and the amount of, the amount of eyes that watch this kind of stuff, like, if you pulled over to like have a five minute nap, someone would know about it. So <laughs> they're not, it's not really like you're in the middle of nowhere with no eyes and no one cares about you and, and she's got to deal with, with that. Like, and, yeah. and they have all the support, everyone's watching, and you know, and they still freak out. That's a, I, I must admit, though, that I think is the best part about it. The, the support that you feel along the way, Dude, exactly. knowing how many people are watching you, is Dude, it's so epic. cool. It's like you can't, I mean, that's that level of support is like a tailwind the whole time. Like, it's an unbelievable, you almost, you know, like you almost. You have to. I know that the support is equal throughout the whole race, right? Like you want to hope it is, but you want to be like. I would want to be at the pointy end, man, just to experience. Especially when you're you're pushing the limit, man, because it's almost like it. It almost gets you more support when you're just like going for it. It's like you're putting on a show to some degree. Mm. Mm. Like you're giving the, you're giving them a performance, like to remember and like is entertaining and is like thrilling and is like. It's just out there. It's like the amount of support is just – I don't think I'd be able to do it without the support. Like I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure it would be different. It'd have to be different because it makes such a big difference. Indeed. Indeed. Interesting, yeah. That's uh, well, very mate, interesting. You, we don't want to keep you um, too long and, and this is probably um, – I mean this could go on for, for hours to. and we could have some wonderful – conversations i think perhaps in a few more podcasts to really get through seven thousand k's of just this race but obviously we spoke a, a bit earlier about when you were planning for this race it was a month in in the works just after finishing the pack so is there something now that you're starting to think about for yeah. um mm. for 2020 i mean Yes and no. Like, <laughs> I mean, short answer is, you know, like I'd love to go to Europe, but I also don't like the idea of having to navigate. You know, like I'm not really good at navigating, man, but yeah, I before Trans so. I thought, you know, I'm not really good at climbing. So it's kind of the same. Just just a different challenge. It's just a different challenge. I want to take it off. But I'm also fascinated with, 20, with 24 hour, 24-hour stuff, like the 24-hour I don't want to say 24 hour cycling record because it sounds crazy, but yeah. the 20, just 24 hour cycling in general, like it's just very appealing to me. And it's kind of where I got started with long distance riding was just doing like fun 24 hour rides. So mm-hmm. I'd love to like, 
I've just always wanted to do it with like a, a TT bike with all the gear with like, I would even shave my car for it, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, I just want to see where I, I, I fall. Like a part of me just wants to see if it's possible to even get close to the record. Like, oh, yeah. cool. you mean so, shave your drive side hairy calf? I mean, I would do it, dude. Just to see, I just need to, I'm just trying to find out now, like a way to, like, how do you know if you, if you're in the ballpark, I guess it's, it's a, if you're in the ballpark of achieving that, I guess it's a hard one to work out, but it's definitely something I want to have a go, man. You should have a chat yeah. to Drew, uh, Drew Gin about it. Drew Gin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of people in Melbourne who've done it. I mean, so. Well, Drew, you know. Drew um, he lives in, well, he used to live in Melbourne, but he he moved to Tasmania, but he's he's a good friend of Curve. And, um, I mean, if you, if you want to be put in touch for some advice, he's a, He's a lovely chap, and um, I'm sure we can tee that up pretty easily. Yeah, no, for sure. I'd love to. i just got to work it out. It's one of the things I'm thinking about, but realistically, man, I'm still walking from the fridge to the couch and <laughs> from the couch to the bed and, yeah. just you know, from the bed to the to the chair. And yeah. That's my migration for now. Eat up, well, I eat might, up boy. Might plant, I might plant one, one little seed um, for 2020. Hell. There is... Um, a really unique ultra in Southern Africa. Southern Africa, right? November 2020. It goes through Namibia, South Africa, Lesotho, and Swaziland. It's Swaziland. A, yeah, it's... What's it called, Rhino? What's it called, Rhino? It's, uh, funnily enough, it's called the Rhino Run. The Rhino Run. You're not going to have to actually run away from rhinos, eh? Well, no, you have to chase one. That's probably not going to work out. Eh? Yours truly. Uh, that'd be epic, man. Nah, I'm excited for all of it, man. I'm excited for all of it. So um, there's going to be some big names there too. Uh, you know, Christoph Allegaard, for one. Is he going to be there? My Chris- dream is to ride with him, dude. I need Mate. to ride with this guy. Here well, it is. I'm just planting that seed, my friend, and you know the boys at Curve can uh, build you a bicycle to take on a challenge like that. <laughs> um, hey, man, I'm, I, I, need, I need to hear more about this event. Lael Wilcox is uh, is very interested to hear some more. It's not off road, is it? Hey, it's not off road, is it? Don't no, tell me it's off road. It's multi surface, so it's um, it's kind of sealed roads, but some are um, a bit gravelly. Um, but it's 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 mainly sealed. Bit of bit of multi surface. You'll be all right, mate. You've just you've just won one of the hardest bike races in the world. I don't know about like fat tires and changing fat tires and mate, suspension and no nah, no suspension. No there's suspension. no suspension. <laughs> <laughs> just, no. Just as long on. as I can have to deal with Christoph before, like that's that's what I need to do. Eh? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, fellas, no, we can work that out. We can work that out. We can, we can work that out. <laughs> okay, now, Dave. All right. We're, and, we're, we're just chatting now, but well done, mate. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. It was great chatting with you. We're, um, yeah, we're super proud, mate. It's, uh, it's been great. Along. It's be part of the, the before, the during, and the after. And, um, yeah, we wish you many, many, many restful, long sleeps, happy adventures. To the fridge and back, and uh, <laughs> I'm gonna keep, you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to call me in a couple of months and tell me to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. I will. You're gonna be as big as a house. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to speak as a house, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm getting a beast dude sitting here. I need to go yeah. out and do something. <laughs> I'll come down the curve and you can, uh, we can have a, a, a smoothie together. Uh, probably, no, I don't need any more calories, man. I'm going to sit at home. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Catch you All later, right. mate. Thank you very See much. You, mate. Bye. All right. Looks like we are on. Um, we are well, that was on. the Forever Showman, Abdullah. What a bloody performance. Incredible performance. Um, yeah. Can you believe a human being on nothing but sheer willpower and two wheels, 16 days, nine hours, 56 minutes, the 29 Trans Am bike race winner and new record holder for crossing America, solo and unsupported. Yeah, I, I was, um, yeah, gosh, I mean, I knew he, he had that in him before um, when he came into Kerr before he, before he left. Well, that was his intention anyway, but, yeah, to watch it actually unfold was uh, – or something else yeah i mean he's obviously in in a very uh, small group of athletes in the endurance um category that can put in 435 k's a day for you know 16 days there's there's not many people um that have ever been able to do that um mm. so yeah quite a formidable formidable competitor when it comes to um, ultras and being vegan only complicates things. Um, I found that quite amazing. And just the overall kind of commanding lead he had from day one and continued to essentially operate like a machine in terms of if you look at his flow chart compared to everyone else's, most people fade. Most people find day after day the toll affects them both physically and mentally but with Abdullah it doesn't seem to it seems he's able to operate on you know very very little sleep and sit on his bike and power his way deeper and deeper yeah but I mean you look at that race flow and it is incredible it just goes yeah. diagonal straight across the page until the finish and he doesn't stop it's um yeah one for the record books and yeah something i won't readily forget um we'll hopefully be able to catch up with him once he's uh recovered and Indeed. see what the next um adventure he kind of chooses it it sounds like the tcr is on on the list, there's some 24-hour racing. The rhino, run too. the rhino runs kind of piqued his interest because <laughs> Christoph and a few others are going to be there, and That's you know, right. so yeah, we'll see what happens. But, um, <laughs> from uh, from yours truly, and from I guess Adam over in Melbourne. Um, Indeed, we're thank to you for listening, people. So thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, congratulations. You've made it to the end. You have Over and out. Finished Raid Rice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.